And the other thing I think is different between like Boston Dynamics and let's say Tesla's Optimus bot is that Tesla used a lot of their self-driving like image recognition information to say like, okay, using the same software now, we can control a robot to navigate a space. And if they're doing that well in cars, they can do that well in robots. And there's another robot called Ameka. You'll see a robot that has these like facial reactions, these facial features that give you that uncanny valley feeling. And that is not really for anything other than connecting when people are communicating with like, what do they call it? Indirect communication methods, right? Hello and welcome to What Would Jesus Tech, a podcast where two friends, well, you are my friend still, Rachel. Yeah, really good friend, actually. Yeah, so over a dozen years, we've been talking about theology, working through the Bible together, figuring out how to integrate our lives that have been involved with technology, and and doing it in a Christ-like way, trying to imitate Jesus, not just in some ethics, not just in evangelism, but in all of our lives and how we even innovate. So today we're going to be talking about one of Joel's special interests, robotics, and figuring out how we can do this in a Christ-like way, predicting the future a little bit, figuring out what even is robotics and why we should care, because robotics is far more interesting and relevant to us than I think most of us realize, and we're going to get into that. But first, let's just do some quick questions for Joel. Joel, favorite fictional robot? Yeah, it's got to be iRobot in uh, that Will Smith movie. Oh, yeah. That probably made me go into uh, mechatronics. They have the three laws and all that built into it. I, I did the Wally. Wally would be my favorite because there's just so much emotion in that fake character. Um, yeah. Okay. First robot that you played with as a kid? It's got to be, if you consider it a robot, the Connects, you know, Lego. And then there's another brand like Connects. They had like a motor and you could make wheels move. So it's automation. Uh, but Automation is like a part of robotics. I guess the difference is robots need software. Hmm. Self-driving cars, uh, an aspect of robotics. Do you think that's going to happen in the next five years? I think so. I think we we have evidence of self-driving cars in beta right now. We're at this AI revolution, which I'm sure if you're in tech, you're almost getting sick of hearing about. Um, which is which is part of why I think robotics is really good to talk about because it's 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 going to be accelerated and not getting enough traction and I like to put it on people's radars earlier. Mm-hmm. So in the Old Testament, they made images, idols, and they looked kind of like humans or they replicated animals. Mm. What makes that different than a robot? What would you say? Just keep a quick keep the answer quick. um i guess the question is if you're worshiping it or not if you're worshiping it's an idol and if you're not it can be a tool cool uh favorite robotics course that you took at the university of waterloo um we had all these uh you know robotics capstone projects or like term projects we made like a a boat a self-navigating boat I made uh, my fourth year project was uh, electrical, sorry, let me, an EMG based finger. So for people who lose a finger, when you make a fist, you actually see in your wrist, there's like muscle energy going there. 
So you put a sensor there, and then you can actually actuate an electric motor, electromechanical finger. Um, so that was really fun. And that was a company, like that was Thalmic Labs. So you were doing the same technology that turned into Thalmic Labs, which they tried to basically, it's a hands-free way to give input into a technology that's not voice, but the literally the muscles, I guess it's not hands-free, it's wrist. I, yeah, that's, right. that was a pretty cool, it hands-free. was big. They made a lot of money and then, yeah, it didn't catch on. There was no industry use cases for it. And then Google bought it out and now it's just one of those companies that died, right? Yeah, they well they rebranded to North and they did glasses and then Google bought them. Oh, but yeah, they, they started did the they started thing. with yeah, EMG electromyography, which is like listening to the electricity in your muscles to determine something. So there's like yeah, you could see a different profile depending on what you do, which is not as clean as and maybe we'll get into this later, actually communicating on your nervous system like Neuralink and some of these other companies are doing but it's it's related it's tangential yeah 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 how do we how do we connect in the same way a prosthetic leg how do we connect these man-made objects to the human body for the benefit of said humans and are we going back to the natural state like a prosthetic leg or are we increasing effectiveness in the and mutating into some new organism that's a question so joel why does robotics matter why is this so important for us to understand today? Yeah, I think, well, one, I think it's not getting as much traction as it should. Like not um, as much attention. People aren't writing stories about it. There's just, yeah, people it's were, here and there. Yeah, I think, and if you're in the tech space and you're tracking it like often, you do start seeing things like actually recently a few companies just announced like humanoid robots. Um, and if you were f- tracking AI for a while, you would have seen that the like, you know, tail end of last year is where it started to get hype. And then this year it's like everywhere. So I think it's interesting and valuable for people to know a little bit more about robotics before it becomes like a really big thing. So we have again, more time to like, you know, comprehend what it will do to our society and then weigh the pros and cons and maybe even lean in into how we should, we should build it. Yeah. So people that were in the AI space, they are understanding generative AI. They are thinking about GPT-1, GPT-2, and most of society wasn't. And now it feels like we're rushing to put in policy decisions in place. And even practical, like should ministry leaders use chat GPT to write sermons for them or to help them in sermon Mm -hmm. writing? Like, like, so you have these youth use cases that are, have ethical implications and we don't even understand them all because it's such a new innovation. And so your plea is let's, let's think about the future and what's coming and identify some of those forerunners before that hockey stick curve of accelerated innovation takes over and whoa, now there's robotics in your house. Now there's robotics that your teenager child is wanting to use. Like that's, that's, I think the reality is that our kids who are under the age of seven right now, they will live in a world with far more robotics than we live in now. And what are those robotics? What does the world look like I I mean, it's always hard to predict the future, but given what you're saying, that there's stuff going on right now, what does the future, even in the next five, 10 years, look like in terms of robotics in the household or in society? Yeah. So I think, 
Yeah, in the next five years, we'll see some big changes. So I think number one is understanding what's the difference between AI and robotics. Right. So in a humanoid robot, AI would be the mind and then robotics would be the body, right? If we compare it to ourselves. And I think for a lot of people, we actually thought robotics would come out first. Hmm. You know, everyone is worried about, hey, we're going to replace all these um, factory workers, you know, physical labor. And there were like, you know, specifically designed robots like your Roomba that cleans a floor. And that's where we thought we'd see the disruption. And then all of a sudden we saw the AI just leapfrog and everyone's like, oh, white collar work is being like disrupted. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's like, you know, what you could think about is like AI is doing that like technical, um, even creative, dare I say, um, work. Mm -hmm. And robotics is doing more of the physical uh, interaction and work. Hmm. Okay, that's that's a really helpful distinction. And let's talk about those humanoid robots a bit, because I think some of us are familiar with the fact that maybe Elon Musk, he's working on something. And there is some news recently about that. And then there's like, yeah, the robot part and the mind part. And then there's the integration of the two with Neuralink, if I understand that correctly. Um, so what what is this? What do you mean by humanoid? And what does that actually look like in terms of its impact on society in the next 10 years? So I think one of the key insights to take away around humanoid is that um, there have been robots built for a specific purpose, you know, like, again, the Roomba, it, it does, a, it does one thing, it doesn't really do stare as well. And it's like a really crippling thing where your Roomba only works on one floor and then you have to move it to another floor if you have a two-story house. And, uh, you know, in factories, you have robots that weld parts together. Uh, and these are like, again, single-use or single-function type built robots. Humanoid is built in our image. And the reason why that's important is like when we were kind of given this command to, you know, take dominion and build and create in the earth. We created things around our body. So our world is created for our ease, like sitting in a car in a seat. It's made around, you know, this height range to this height range with four limbs with a body. Um, so if you create any other shape, it doesn't easily adapt into our world. And actually the most adaptable robot is going to be the one that is built like a human because, you know, we built our world for humans. So that's, that's why fundamentally humanoid is like a thing. Um, and I think a lot of people also find that more weird because it's kind of like, Oh, yeah. this is eerily similar to a real person, like how they move and stuff like that. It's kind of the uncanny valley effect yeah, in life, I mean, right? Like the uncanny of valley effect. For those who are unfamiliar, it's basically when you're watching a show and it's a cartoon and then all of a sudden there's a cartoon that's kind of human, kind of not. And it, it makes you feel awkward. It makes you like just revolt because you're used to seeing a human being or a cartoon and you can easily distinguish Bugs Bunny from Ronald Reagan. Like you get the difference. But then when you merge the two, 
and it's done in a very sophisticated way where it looks really good, then it's an uncanny valley effect. And so with seeing humans, I think we, we understandably kind of revolt. We're like, there's an emotional, like, Hey, there, this, this looks like a human, but it's not. And I think that's the, that's the frustration that people have with it. And even the fear that people have is it's like, Hey, this is like competing with us. Like we, it's getting on our turf. There's something uncanny about this. But as you said, it's, it's trying to fit the function of doing things to aid people. Um, so every Sunday there's a person at our church that they need someone to get them from out of, help them out of their car into their wheelchair and into the church. And their spouse isn't as strong to do that. So it's always like, who's going to do that? And wouldn't it be great if there is a humanoid robot that could help them get out of the car, which is one task into the wheelchair, push the, get the wheelchair out of the back, like do all of these tasks that fit the height requirements and open the door. Like there's so many functions yeah. there. You yeah. need something that's like a human to do all those functions. Yeah. And I think, so the most popular one that people have seen is Boston Dynamics. They made the Atlas robot and they made the spot the dog robot. I'm not exactly sure on the price, but I think, you know, it's in the, let's say million. You can buy it. Range. I didn't even know you could buy it. No, you can't buy it. It's just tested, you, right? Yeah. So actually people, at least with spot the dog, they sell it. They're advertising it for like dangerous what? places like oil and gas or like high voltage transformers where you actually don't want a person pulling that because they could be at risk of death. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, oh, actually, it's not just a nice to have, but it's like it could save someone's life for a robot to do some of these things. Like, you know, there's all these rescue robots that can go into a cave and like even in iRobot, like, you know, save human life, right? Um, mm -hmm. So that's what they've been pushing is like, yeah, you, for these dangerous places, use a robot. If the robot gets fried, it's just... Twenty or forty thousand dollars for the spot uh, dog robot, and I did see someone like connect Spot to uh, ChatGPT for like they did it just for fun. Yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. just so that the brain, the AI ChatGPT four, would be connected to the body, um, and then it could have then it could even communicate like verbally by doing audio responses from. But also, if you told it sit down, go here, it like did some brief programming. So. It's it's kind of wild to think about the future when you think about the power of ChatGPT4 plus Boston Dynamics Dog. Because the Tesla one, uh, like Elon Musk's humanoid robot that is being worked on, like it's not very impressive. They just came out with a video around a week ago. We're recording this in May. And yeah, the video was not that impressive. It's just like, it's a, it's a robot that can walk and kind of pick things up and move, move arms around and finger movements. But there's not a lot of dynamic movements and Boston dynamics there, they can like jump up things and do a lot more impressive yeah. acrobat bats. Yeah. So I think that's, I don't know what the price of the dog is. Maybe it's like 200,000. And I think that's really what we're, we're talking about in five years is like mm -hmm. the price will come down and what Elon Musk is doing with the Optimus bot is what uh, theirs is called. Is they're trying to make it in the price range of 20 to 25,000. So, hey, you can go buy a Corolla or an entry-level car for that. Um, you can put it on a finance and you can pay a monthly fee. The same that you might pay someone to do all your laundry and, you you know, be a, be a caretaker, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, take care of all of those type of things. So I think at that price point, it starts becoming something you can mass produce. 
And the other thing I think is different between like Boston Dynamics and let's say Tesla's Optimus bot is that Tesla used a lot of their self-driving like image recognition information to say like, okay, using the same software now, we can control a robot to navigate a space. And if they're doing that well in cars, they can do that well in robots versus Boston Dynamics, I believe is a little bit more or used to be more scripted, but they're also like, you know, taking advantage of the latest in, in machine learning and programming and stuff like that. Um, but definitely the physics, the understanding of physics is what you're seeing between the two. And there's another robot for anyone who's in front of a computer called Ameca, A-M-E-C-A. And if you Google that, you'll see a robot that has these like facial reactions, these facial features that give you that uncanny valley feeling. Um, mm. Because you're not just looking at like the physics of your arms and legs, but you're looking at like the muscles in your face. And that is not really for anything other than kind of like um, connecting with people or communicating with like, a, what do they call it? Indirect communication methods, right? Um, yeah, which nonverbal. I mean, which at GPT, yeah, yeah nonverbal. Which at GPT, I like. I'll say thanks sometimes, or I'll want to say thanks, and then I'll be like, okay, I'm not going to say thanks because that's weird. But yeah, yeah, it's 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 wild the progression that we're seeing from ten years ago to it was just an idea, whereas now it's like, oh no, we could really see these robots and the uncomfortable nature that we have with it. It kind of I want to almost reference back to when we did the podcast on a smart home. And we kind of were leveraging from some of Andy Crouch's book, The Life We're Looking For, and how he describes we were made. You have to go back to that episode to like listen to the whole thing, but 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 essentially his his core argument is around this idea of the Shema, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. You're to love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the way in which that's what we were made to do. We were we were you know, heart, soul, mind, strength, individual, like creatures made to love. And you, you can't just take away the the strength and expect us to still mm -hmm. develop fully as a human. You need us to have strength. So, you know, and, and I've thought about it a lot since, like even that scenario of helping that elderly individual from their car into the church service, you could say, well, let the robot do it. And then you can still have companionship in other ways. Like, obviously we don't want to let robots replace the need for companionship and the need for community that we are created by God to have community. Um, Herman Bovink, you know, he describes us as social creatures that the image of God actually is, is to reflect this social nature. Um, Augustine says something to the same effect that we were, we were created to be social and that's who we are. Fundamentally, we are not individuals. We, we have this collective. So we need that companionship. But if all of our companionship is reduced to communication, we lose something. Right. We lose, we lose that helping that person get from point A to point B by pushing that wheelchair, that's a different type of love than, you know, holding their hand or whatever. And for some of us, frankly, it's, I'm far more comfortable. Some of us not, I, I like talking to people too and, and having empathy and all that kind of stuff. But for some of us, it's like, give me a job. Like, you know, I know yeah. there's one person helping out someone else. It's like, can I just mow your lawn? Can I do something like that? Some of us are gifted in that way. And yeah, is there a place for that type of service in, 
this new robotics future? I think honestly, that's a really good question, right? And like, how does robotics displace that place where we should be loving on our neighbor, right? Um, and I think, well, before we answer that, let me give you the the flip side of that. Um, we're having a lot less kids these days, and we actually have this like mass um, employment shortage, right? Like they're actually like don't have enough people. Um, employment's at the lowest it's ever been. And if you look into like population pyramids, like because people are having less kids, you know, we, the only solution right now that we're doing well in North America is we're immigrating a lot of people and that prevents our population from collapsing. But there's especially in Canada. Yeah. And there's other countries like, you know, Japan and Korea where they don't have as much of that because a country is maybe not as easy for foreigners to integrate into. Um, so they're seeing this massive population collapse. So for them, there's this need to, you know, figure out how they're going to take care of all these aging people um, and they can have their dignity. So that's like, you know, it's not as taking away from a person. It's actually stepping in when there is no person. And I think that is like the good aspect. And then to your point is like it can be misused if it's like replacing what a person should be doing and loving and like growing in that area when the person is there. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just so hard to define that line between what a person should be doing and what a robot should be doing. And obviously pushing the wheelchair is a great example. Like why shouldn't a robot do that? Um, And the complexity of this, I appreciate you bringing up the economic argument and I mean, let's just take a step back and like just understand where we're at in the in the history of the world. I'm not not an expert on this, um, but but just take a step back with me and just think about what has gone on in our world. We did not used to live in capitalism. Government and church used to be tied very closely together, hmm. and you know, America is an anomaly, anonymously, you know, I can't say the word, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 It's very unique in the way that it was built as well as its religiosity alongside a separation from church and state. And so we've, we've had this effective economic productivity through not communism, but capitalism such the extent that communist countries had to create these pockets within their country of economic activity. So that's what China did. That's what Russia did. They borrowed the Western approaches to capitalism and free markets in order to ensure that their population wasn't living in poverty. And we've seen huge success in terms of economic development. And now all of a sudden we're like, but what are the costs? Are the costs loneliness? Are the costs anxiety? Are there costs individualism to such an extent that we turn inward on ourselves and we just are so focused on the individual and whether or not we can produce in this society that we start to lose what it means to be human, um, that image of God, that social being. And, you know, you don't have to be a historian or a philosopher to recognize that something has changed over time and we need to figure out something new for going forward. I'm not saying throw away capitalism, but I'm saying that it's created some problems that don't seem to be stopped. And so, yeah, we need to regulate AI. Like we can't just sit in our hands on this and we need morality to be, 
you know, really held strongly to by the government. We can't, again, sit on our hands and say, oh, the church shouldn't be political. So I, the church pastors, like they don't speak into the politicians. They don't yeah. speak into the AI leaders. They don't speak into the lives of others because they're just, they're just sitting back. And I think this is one of the problems with the way evangelicalism has become in North America as we've We've started to kind of sit back in terms of moral issues because we feel like, well, we can't do that. Let's just spread the gospel and hope the church grows. But it's like, but we really need to think about these moral issues. And they're mm -hmm. not easy. They take time. But there's actually a history and tradition to learn from. And even I'm trying to do a better job of learning that. So I just wanted to take that step back, understand the argument. We need robots in the future, it seems to be, in order to really help us in our economy. Economy, we need that because we're going to see that population collapse. I mean, Christians are having more babies than others, so at least we're doing our part. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, yeah. there's there's some real complexity here, some real complexity yeah, I, going on. It's just to take to take it further, right? It's like you know the U.S. and all of this like recent is like whatever two hundred something years. I d I don't actually know. Um, and the internet is like twenty years, and you see these charts where like the massive innovation we've had and disruption to our like way of life has been in shorter and shorter time frames. Like the speed of innovation is accelerating. Right. Um, so I think it is all the more important that Christians as a group lean into these conversations because the effect will be more and more compounding compared to where we may have been more, Hey, we're going to bow out of this conversation and not lean in. So I think like that's probably like my big takeaway is like we need to engage with more people to thoughtfully discuss these things from a Christian point of view and figure out like, yeah, like how can we move these things forward in a way that benefits our economy and our society and people um, and reduce the negative implications? Like I think even for my family, you know, like they, my parents came from India, um, India a long time ago did not have much economic prosperity. Um, and over here we have a lot of food and now there's this like big <coughs> diabetes epidemic because for how many millions or thousands rather of years, um, we were like, oh, we trained to eat this sort of diet. And now we have this completely like sugar and carb high diets and everything kind of changed. Right. So it's great. We have food and that's a benefit. Like, you know, we have, we don't have food scarcity really. Um, but also like now we have all these complications of like negative effects of bad quality food. So what do we do with robotics differently as Christians, Joel? Like, I what think, does that yeah, look think, like? So what it looks like, I think there are going to be, and this is just anticipating like, okay, you're in a world now where there are like robots that have AI infused minds that can communicate with you, have like what feels like personalities. There's going to be people who, first of all, treat that property in a disrespectful way, right? Take advantage of it, use it for bad things, right? Like obviously as Christians, we should obviously not do that, but even like come out and say, Hey, like this is wrong. This is like a sinful nature that humans have. And as sinful people, we are now doing these sinful things with robots, right? We got to steward the creation, whether it's molded into something like an ark or a tower or a robot, we steward God's creation 
regardless of what it is. We don't steal. We talked about stealing in our last episode a bunch too. Yeah. So I think it's just really like what's probably important is to have an application of our Christian beliefs to this new technology. So, hey, this technology does this and this. Remember, we should do this, this, and this in light of the way it changes our society, right? Right. And that's what we maybe didn't do effectively with social media. We kind of like didn't think about the implications and how we as Christians should use it. So I think, hey, with AI and robotics, hopefully we'll we'll be better informed. We're, yeah, we're gonna, we'll put something on it. It's just the nature of the robot is that you're kind of building. It's like AI as well. It's supposed to be, and social media was similar to this. It's like, we will build the platform or we will build this space or we will build this tool that can be used in so many ways, right? Mm-hmm. And And so it's... With AI, there's a lot of training that goes into it so that it needs to be used in a particular way so that if you ask it a question related to self-harm, then it's been trained to give a proper answer that um, a human-informed answer would give rather than just pure fact. And so, yeah, we need to train the robots in order to have you know certain decisions. And it needs to be more than those three rules. It needs to be yeah. more than that. Like yeah. those three rules aren't enough. Those three rules from iRobot. Isaac Asimov. I think, yeah, there should be like a Christian rules, like iteration on it that someone needs to put forward. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like the evangelical ethics of AI or the evangelical statement on artificial intelligence, um, spearheaded by Jason Thacker. And, and he also gets into this a bit and, and others have written about AI or robot rights and maybe giving some, some, level of rights, whatever, but it's like, we have property rights. I don't know if you need that. I, I, I'm still not convinced that we need to declare that robots are like humans so that we can protect them from a civil government law perspective. Um, some people will be listening to this and they'll be like, Oh, that's what we need. And it's like, sorry, I'm just, you gotta convince me. I gotta, I gotta see a better argument for that. I mean, they also gotta convince you if robots should be able to come and uh, worship alongside you in church. So I'm okay with that. Like, like we've talked before with Jess Jelstra, yeah, we, end of the episode, we got to see like every piece of technology exists for the worship of God, for the prayers of his glory. That's why it was created. Like God yeah. didn't create the world. Cause he's like, Oh man, I'm, I'm bored. Right. Like I need to, I need to do something to, to like whatever, or, or I need something. I, no, he lacked nothing. He just, his, his, character in and of himself and in the midst of the trinity um it only extended out and so that love that glory extended out but it always needs to refer back to the creator so anyways this has been an interesting episode i feel i feel intrigued by robotics you've got me more aware of them and the fact that they're going to be incorporated more um I I still don't know what we should do differently other than be more intentional in conversing with people who work in this space and to, to have, have more Christians dialoguing with one another about this. And so maybe that's where faith tech comes in. Shout out to faith tech because they have local communities across the world where you could get engaged and meet other people that are in tech um, or just thinking about it. You don't have to be in tech in order to join a faith tech community and you can still work your full-time job at Tesla while doing the faith tech stuff. And they're, they're a good, uh, a good place for that. They actually are coming out with a book. I got, got access oh. to it. It might be, might be here. Well, it's just for the people who made it this far in the episode. 
It's the Faith Tech Playbook. Wow. wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Shout out to James Kelly and his team. It's got a nice, like, it's simple, 50 pages of, like, you know, thinking about how to build technology redemptively. So um, if you go back to our episode with James Kelly, he kind of teased some of the concepts there. But, but yeah, you got you to gotta get involved and talk through these things with other Christians. Yeah, and I think, yeah, we'll follow up to this episode with some, you know, some Patreon, even posting on Twitter. Like, there are a bunch of companies like Figure AI or Sanctuary AI that are also making robots that are coming out, like, in the next year or so. So there's a lot. Um, obviously, they can't fit into this episode, but I think it'll make that discussion more rich. And you'll see how they've been thinking about it for the past five years. And then, you know, it'll be easier to, like, be presented with their thesis and then say, okay, where do we go from, from here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well said. All right. So this has been another episode of WWJT. What would Jesus tech? Would he use robots? Probably. Would he prefer humans? Definitely. And we hope you too build things to help people love God and love their neighbor. We hope that you use tech, you find rest and that you glorify God. Thank you to our listeners, all of you. Thank you for those I, I got to be honest, not all of you leave a comment, not all of you send us a message, not all of you rate us on iTunes, and that's okay. You just listen. Shout out to you. We appreciate you too. <laughs> you don't follow us on social media. You're like, yeah, I know you're on socials. I just subscribe. That's cool. Do You do you. Um, and thank you to our Patreons. Um, super, super cool that we have some people that are supporting us financially. Thank you so much. Um, it helps keep us keep us motivated, and it gives us some, uh, some money to buy books. I got huge book order it's sitting, sitting oh, behind here we me. Go. um so yeah some book giveaways coming up uh we're gonna give away some books to our patreons too um so yeah thanks for listening we do have a couple bonus episodes if you do become a patreon and support us financially um so you'll see some of those if you log in there thanks for listening take care see ya